So this morning, uh, Pastor Marcelo and Barry, his wife, they, uh, they both uh, are sick and they're not here. Uh, and then the Grimes are going to be out this Sunday and next. So we're not going to have children's church and we'll all be worshiping together. And uh, if there's any way to, to knock out that echo, that'll help me if we can. I got a really good echo, but I can, I can deal with it if you can. If you can, I'll just take it off and get down on the floor and start preaching. We can do that too. That's, that's better, very much better. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, shall we? Father, I just want to say thank you, Father, for, Lord, the, um, Lord, for the, the, Lord, the, the reason, Lord, to have the celebration all month long, Father. Lord God, um, Lord, as a pastor, Father, I, I've endeavored, as I pray, Father, to want to share, Father, your glory every Sunday, uh, Father, when I have a pr- the opportunity to preach, but Father, especially at this time of year, uh, Father, our culture makes much of this time of year, Father, for uh, economic reasons, but Father God, I pray, Lord, that we are making much of it, Father, uh, not just because of the time off with family, which is a good blessing, Father, for some that can do that, Father, not just to be able to share, Lord, in gifts, uh, giving of gifts, Father, is some can do, others not as much as they would like. But, Father God, we can all partake, Father, in what Christmas is. Father, as we've wanted to highlight, Lord, the, the love and the joy and the peace, Father, that's available to us. But, Father, as we look to your word this morning, God, Father, I pray, Lord, Lord, that we will find hope. Hope, Father, to hold on, Lord, in our difficult circumstances. Hope. Father, Lord, not just to make it through, but God, to, th- to thrive, Lord, to live for your glory. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And nobody bother at all and worry about that baby crying out. That's good. That's good practice, man. Sometimes Baptists don't participate enough in sermons, and that's okay. So we're good. So this morning, uh, we will conclude um, the, the chapter uh, Revelation chapter 12 in this Christmas series, uh, you know, which is probably, as I say every Sunday I've been preaching, it probably seems most odd uh, to hear at Christmas time, but uh, I think it is something that's most significant uh, when we understand what we celebrate at Christmas, what all Christ has done for us, what God has done, given us himself uh, at this time. Uh, in January, I'm looking forward to going and beginning the series in the book of uh, Genesis as we are going to go over, do a quick overview of the first several chapters and then plant in the patriarchs. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, doing that Old Testament sermon series. Uh, but this morning, we will conclude this chapter. Um, I, I hope it, it's revealed something to you. I hope it's, maybe it's not as, as, as strange of a book as maybe some has perceived the book of Revelation before. Uh, but this morning, as we look at the conclusion of this text in this particular chapter, we're also going to read a chunk of the next chapter to go along with the end of chapter 12. Uh, I, I believe that we find kind of the, the, one of the main focuses of application for us as to what is going on in the world uh, and what does, it, what does the, the spiritual warfare have to do with us? And, 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 and what should our response be uh, under such uh, circumstances as we read here in the text? But before we jump into it, uh, I just want to ask you the question here. I have this, 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 uh, this title up on the screen, Do You Have a Reason to Hang On? Now, that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Hanging on to what, you know? 
Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, it might be kind of hard to describe what hope is, but it's not very hard to describe hopelessness, is it? You know, we're, we're, you know a reason to, to keep going, a reason to continue on in something, and particularly as we talk about the Christian faith, um, I, I think that is equally as important. Um, and I just want you to ask yourself this question, because this is a question that, that I am most concerned about, especially as I get the opportunity to teach young people, especially junior high and high school. Uh, what, what, what could happen that would cause you to walk away from your faith? And when I'm talking about hope in particular, because, I mean, Christ brings hope to the world. I, I, you know, we sing songs about that at Christmas time, um, hopefully throughout the entire year. But really, when you think about hope, uh, it, it's what we're holding on to, something in particular. But, but really, you know, sometimes people hold on and they, they just decide they can't hold on any longer and they want to let go. So what could happen that would cause you to walk away from your faith and And as I'm posing these questions to myself, hypothetically posing them to you, I'm thinking, well, what is faith? What is that word, too? That's a churchy word, just like hope. It's thrown around all the time. What is faith? Uh, And I could could spend a lot of time talking about it from Scripture, but I just want to kind of give you a a brief description of what perhaps I think faith is. Not perhaps, it's what I think faith is. Faith is your trust in a holy, loving God whose power is, Love and sacrifice calls us to live for him, his purposes, and his word. Think about that. Your trust, your decision to trust him because of who he is and what he has done and the fact that he has called us to live for him for his purposes and his word. There's a lot packed into that sentence. But one, hope, you know, what causes you to not let go of your faith? What is your faith? It's what you're trusting. It's what you, you've decided. You know, you know the song, I've decided to follow Jesus. You have decided to trust God, to, to, to live for him, for his purposes and for his, his plan and according to his word. Are there things that you have faced that, you, that, that challenge you in your everyday life, big picture, that, that, just, that just causes you to question whether or not you should continue on in your faith? And, and I, think, I think every single one of us have come up against times in your life that causes us to question our faith or should we hold on. We're going to read Scripture here in just a bit, and we're going to see some big issues to cause you to question whether or not you should hold on or not. Uh, and, and I'm hoping as we meet with young people and we, we, we have all these ministries that are here, particularly in impact with the high schoolers, I hope to answer some of these questions you might have. But the, the reality is I, I, can't, I can't always offer an intellectual answer to give you the knowledge to carry you through all the way. I want you to know that knowledge has been sufficiently passed to me as I've questioned my faith. But, you know, Jesus says you don't have to have all the answers to follow him. In fact, he says you just have to have the faith of a child to follow him. But, but I, I just want to talk about hope this morning. And I, I, I want to encourage you. Um, in whatever struggle, because here's one thing that I do know about the holidays. We touched on it in, in our Life Connection group this morning just a bit, that um, at the holiday seasons, there's so many frailties and struggles that we have, a lot of times with relationships, a lot of times financial situations, that for some reason this holiday causes to rise to the top more than any other time when we think about people that we've lost. 
I had a dream last night about someone that I lost. And I remember crying in my dream, missing this person. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I would love to, like, just spend $1,000 per child for Christmas. Wouldn't that be great, you know, because I know so-and-so is doing that. And thinking, man, I don't know if I'm a good provider because I'm, number one, I wouldn't do that. But, uh, you know, hypothetically, you know, but you know the things that I'm talking about here. This holiday does that. And then I just want to encourage you to get past some of those things to carry through. And, and not just to survive Christmas. I saw another post from a friend that I've known way back talking about all the things that Christmas has been. She said, I hate Christmas because of what it all has become. This is a Christian lady. And, and I'm just thinking, man, we've got to not hold on to this stuff. You got to let that junk go. Whatever that is is causing you to have such anxiety and concern and question and hold on to something far more tangible and something far more sufficient. Uh, and that's what Christ has done. That's what Christ has done when he came. God became flesh for us. So let's read this uplifting text together this morning and see if it gives you hope. In Revelation chapter 12, uh, we will look particularly at, uh, at verses 13 through 18. Um, so just to catch up for our guest, I'll quickly summarize the rest of chapter 12 without taking the time to read it all. It's a picture in heaven. John, the, 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 the disciple whom Jesus loved on the island of Patmos in his old age as the youngest disciple, now an old man, imprisoned there by the Romans. And it says that he had planted these churches in Asia Minor and God gave him a vision that brought us about the book of Revelation. But it says in that text that it's revealing the things that have come, the things that are happening, the things that will come, particularly to these seven churches he planted. But then uh, we, we see this grand story of, of, of what's going to happen in the end. But at the same time, the things that are happening now in the Re- book of Revelation literally means just pulling back and revealing what's happening in the spiritual realm. Especially whenever we can see the spiritual and the physical come together. And, and that will happen someday as we get to see this glorious uh, you know, reunion with Christ someday. But it, it, means, it means so much as we will meet God and so will everybody else. But we see in this picture in, Gen- in Revelation chapter 12, it talks about that there's a, there's a woman about to give birth. And there's this fiery dragon waiting to devour the child. And it takes us all the way back to Genesis 3. Whenever sin entered the world and that God pronounced judgment on man and woman but also on the serpent and said that the seed of the woman, which is bizarre because a woman doesn't have seed, but that her seed will produce a child that will bruise, bruise his heel on the serpent's head but will crush the head of the serpent. And Revelation 12 reveals that's clearly Satan and how he went about wanting to annihilate and devour this child but how God preserved him. And then we see this epic battle in heaven, and we see that the serpent is thrown down. There's a great cry and celebration of heaven. And now we come to the place to where the serpent is on the earth. Satan is here, and there's a lot of foretelling of what will happen in the future here, but we see a lot of great information for today in this text that I'm about to read. So follow along with me on your own copy of God's Word, or you follow along on the screen right there. It says, When the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent's presence to her place in the wilderness where she was nourished for a time, times, and time and a half. 
From his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river flowing uh, after the woman uh, to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the river that the dragon had spewed from his mouth. So the dragon was furious with the woman, went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep the commands of God and hold firmly to the testimony about Jesus. The, the dragon stood on the sand of the sea. Now, uh, I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to deal with all of this text this morning, uh, but we see first off in chapter, in verse 13, when the dragon saw that he had been thrown to the earth, it says he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. We dealt with this several weeks ago. Who is the woman that's going to give birth to the child? Uh, I won't go back through all of that, but I don't believe this is talking particularly about Mary. I think the context of Scripture is this is referring to Israel, the nation of Israel, to the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, uh, as well as the, the covenant with, 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 uh, with Adam early on, but that, that, the, that, the, that the woman, Israel, would produce this child, and that this child uh, is born, but then uh, whenever the, the enemy, Satan, knows that he is defeated... Uh, he is just really ticked off. And it says that he sets about persecuting the woman. And that's why some people get so excited in, in talking about the nation of Israel. Uh, and we read the rest of these, uh, these scriptures. I'm not going to go through and parse them 14 uh, to 16. Uh, I've shared, I, I do have some particular ideas about eschatology, which means the study of end times. I've shared with you my primary position is that I'm a, pa- I'm a pandementalist. It's all going to pan out in the end, and so I don't spend a ton of time diving into it. Uh, but, um, but, but definitely we see some, some particular things that are going to happen to preserve Israel whenever the end times come because there's a, there's a plan for her. But then we see the preservation of her, and then we see at the very end, particularly in verse 17, it's hanging out here. It says, so the dragon was furious with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. And so we're going to hang out here just for a second. Um, In this story, who, you know, we've gone over who these different players are. We know that we have... We have Israel. We know we have the Messiah, Jesus. We know that we have Satan. We've even talked about some of the angels and some of the saints in heaven that had gone on before and praising what God had done with the enemy. Well, here, who are the folks in this story? He, he couldn't defeat the, the, the child, uh, though he tried hard. We, we saw the story. We read that in, about Herod, wicked Herod, trying to uh, annihilate all the, the, the two-year-old boys in Bethlehem. and the, He murdered them all. You know, I, I shared some Old Testament stories about how the Jews in the Old Testament at different times were trying to be wiped out, and even today, and they're still preserved. But who, who, are, who are the, whenever the, the enemy turns his fury away from the woman, he says he went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Now, th- this does have some future fulfillment, but I think there's some particular application here for today. Who are the rest of her offspring? Who is Who do you think that that is? If the position is, if the position you hold is that Mary uh, is the woman in, in the first Revelation 12, then you would think that maybe the rest of the natural born children of Mary, some of Jesus' brothers, 
you know, we, we, you know, I believe that James, the, the, the New Testament book of James, is one of Jesus' brothers, the biological child of, of Joseph and Mary. But it, that really doesn't jive with what this story is talking about here. If, if Israel is the, the woman giving, here, giving birth here in the story, who else is her offspring besides Jesus? Uh, and, and I, I want to tell you my position. I, I believe that this, the, the rest of the offspring, because then it gives, us, it gives us the answer right here. To wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep the commands of God and hold firmly to the testimony about Jesus. Who does that describe? That's the church. That's describing the church. And it's telling that once the enemy realizes he cannot defeat the, the woman, Israel, here. He cannot have his victory there. He is furious because he's, he's become frustrated. Know that he cannot win. But he's still going to fight with everything that he has because that's who he is. And he's holding on to false hope that he can be victorious. And so he comes and he wages war against the church. And, guys, that is us. Now, we're going to read chapter 13 here in a second. And it's pretty wicked. It's pretty wicked what's going to happen in the end times. But I believe wholeheartedly that we're living in the exact same age that John was living in whenever he wrote this. John was living in the age of the church. The church was born at Pentecost after Jesus was resurrected, ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit came down. As Jesus said that it would, and the church was born then and there. It's just been growing and expanding, and God has always had a people for his own possession on the earth ever since. And we are those people. This should, this should be a, a text that should energize us when we see this. We are the people. But, but let, just take for an instance, though, whenever I'm talking about what are you holding on, having hope in difficult circumstances, having hope to continue to believe that God will fulfill the promises he says he will in his word, even when it hasn't happened yet. What causes us? What helps us? What, what, what is in place to help us push through to hang on? Especially if the story is true here. This wicked enemy, the devil, is about attacking us, his church, his children. Well, we have a couple of really important clues here. It says, <clears throat> Left to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands... And have the testimony about Jesus. Those two little phrases there, keeping his commands and hold firmly to the testimony about Jesus, speaks volumes for who we are as followers of Christ. Because uh, we're going to read here in a second in Revelation 13, uh, and, and we, can just, we can just tell the story of some of our lives, how many of us claim to be followers of Christ. We claim to be Christians but truth be known, uh, a, lot of, a lot of folks, and I, I've been in this sometimes too, we're, we're Christian in name only. There's not a lot that we actually do with our faith. Now, I just want to challenge you this morning, and this could be a step on your toes time, okay? It's stepping on pastor's toes too. But first and foremost, when it talks about here, those who keep God's commands. What, what is that talking about here in this text? The commands of God is his word, the word of God, the Bible. And I, I just want you to know there is no way that you can truly know hope and you can truly understand how to live a life on this earth as a people of God for his own possessions to persevere through the things of this world if you really have nothing to do with his word. 
And, and I, I do think that we need to read his word, study his word. Those, those are paramount things. But what do you do with it? Do you really apply the scriptures of God? And, and, and there's so many people that proclaim that, you know, not proclaim, but that they're, they're struggling. They're going through trials and tribulations and there's so much going on and, and life is hard. And a lot of the things that are going on that are so hard, sometimes, at least for me, I can't, you know, I would love to indirectly be able to look back and link it all back to the devil is attacking me, okay? That scripture's talking about that here. He does do that. But a whole lot of stuff that I've faced has had a whole lot to do with me in my past or in my present not obeying the commands of God, doing things my way. And you cannot hold on, Christian. You cannot live in the faith if you disregard the Word of God in your life. It has to play a prominent place of obedience. And I say obedience, and I, I mean that. That's become a word that's not popular today. And I believe, and sometimes preachers like myself have probably done you an injustice by overstating a particular and important part of God's grace. God's grace is sufficient to cover a multitude of sin. But God intends for you to live for Him in His glory. Don't think you can be a Christian and not live underneath the authority of God's Word. You're going to get your tail kicked. You're going to send your children to hell. You're going to send your spouse to hell if you don't live under God's Word. And that's nothing that I just said came from me. I can point to Scripture where these things say this. So, he turns his attention to the other offspring of the woman. Man, I, I, I pray. I know I've prayed. I know I'm a part of that offspring. I praise God I'm a part of the family of God. I hope you can proclaim that too. And so, so they, they, they keep God's commands and they have a testimony about Jesus. What, what does your life say? How you live your life? What you do with it? What you say? What does it say about Jesus. Uh, these, these, these people here that Satan is after, they have a testimony to Jesus, and they hold firmly to it, it says. There's no wavering on their part. I'm not saying you have to be a perfect person in order to be a Christian, but your heart has to be set to want to live for the king and to not live for yourself. I don't think you can get around that notion. I think it is so important that you live for the king because of what is coming. What is coming. Uh, and, and, and so let, let, let's read a little bit more about that. And I won't be much longer, but keep following along with me in Scripture. Uh, just follow along. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I'm not good at reading from that screen. I'd rather just read from my Bible. So let's do that. So, so I'm going to continue on. It says, the dragon stood on the sand of the sea. What does that mean? And, I, and I'm not going to explain all of it. I'll give you some of it, but there's some important context here. And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads. On its horns were ten crowns, and on its heads were blasphemous names. The beast I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like a, a bear's, and its mouth like a lion in a lion's mouth. The dragon gave the beast his power, his throne, and great authority over its heads. Appeared to be fatally wounded, but its fatal wound was healed. The whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war against it? 
The beast was given a mouth to utter boasts and blasphemes. It was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It began to speak blasphemies, uh, blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name and his, and his dwelling, those who dwell in heaven. And it was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. It was, allowed, uh, it was also given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. And all those who live on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered. If anyone here has ears to hear, let him listen. If anyone is to be taken captive into captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for endurance and faithfulness from the saints. Man, it's basically talking about here what's going to happen whenever... Whenever the church is raptured up and the, and the end days is coming, it, it's talking about the devil being set loose, Antichrist and his prophet coming, and he's going to be able to rule on this earth. And if anybody comes to faith in that time, it's basically saying their tail's going to get killed. It's going to be wicked war. Nobody will be able to stand up against the schemes of the enemy. Now, I've had conversations here with, with deacons and, and lay pastors, and we've talked about the fact that you know, you know, we we see we see we sense Satan's attacks sometimes against the church and against families and individuals, and you know how important it is when we're walking in our faith, okay, and we're and we're, and we're walking in obedience and focusing on the mission of Christ. That you know the the end of these attacks are just like little pebbles thrown our way instead of great big you know boulders, and I believe that. But but but. And we see what the enemy's going to do here whenever he's going to be let go and given this, this free reign for a period of time. Uh, I can't preach through all of it right now. It's going to be completely awful. And, and it says here that, that, that the saints, who are the saints? They're the people of God on the earth for his own possession. If you're following Christ, I want you to know if you're a true follower of Christ, you, you have different titles and saint is one of them. Okay, I know the Catholic Church has a different idea for saints, but if you follow King Jesus, though sometimes my son, Ethan, doesn't act like a saint, he professes to follow Christ. He's a saint, okay? That goes for me too. But it's going to call, I love the wording here. It calls for endurance and faithfulness in the middle of that storm. He's, you know, John is basically saying when that time comes, get ready for it because it's going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. And, and, you know, the things that we face right now that challenge us so, uh, they, they don't even come close uh, to what, you know, if God's word to be fulfilled and if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you, you hold on to his word that promises salvation, just as sure as that promise will come true and you'll be in heaven, this is going to happen on the earth someday. Um, and... I, I, just, I just want to encourage you, as you think about the challenges you're facing, whether they're of your own doing or they're of the doing of somebody else or life is just kicking you when you're down or, or whatever the circumstances is, you've got to have a perspective that God's got a plan and it is not for you to be prosperous individually on the earth or for you to have your best life now. That is not God's plan. It's for you to live for God's plan and for His glory and His purposes. And sometimes pain and suffering and difficulty is a part of that. 
But I want you to know whenever you commit to living for his plan and not your own specific individual purposes, and we all have individual callings. I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize that. We have things that God's called us to do, amazing things. But it's for his glory and things that they are going to draw people to him. And through that, man, there is blessing. It is fun. It is fulfilling. And I have a great time serving the king. But it calls for perseverance. And hope, hope is perseverance. Hope is holding on. Holding on to what, though? Holding on to Christ. I'm going to read another quick, uh, a quick story out of the book of Luke. It's, it's not a particular uh, you know, parable that you, know, you would normally have read at Christmas time, but as I was studying, I, I really found it to, to, to help with this point here. When I'm asking you, do you have reason to hang on? Think about your faith. Think about why you're following Christ. Think about why you're holding on through difficult times. In, in Luke chapter 8, Verse 4 to 8, I'll read this story. It'll be familiar to most of you. A large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from every town. Uh, he said in a parable, A sower went to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some, feed, uh, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seeds fell on the rock. Uh, when it grew up, it, it withered away since uh, it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up, and it... And with it choked it, still other seeds fell on good soil. When it grew up, it produced fruit. A hundred times what was sown, as he had said this, he called out, Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Now this parable is a whole other sermon all on its own. Um, It's talking about how we live our life and how we are to sow the gospel and sow his goodness and his grace to others. Sometimes whenever we do that, we don't see fruit right away. Sometimes it doesn't take root. Sometimes it, it takes root and it grows a long time from now. We don't even see the outcome of it. But also, too, we see here some of the... Uh, I, I, when I was looking at this, I kind of took the inverse of this parable, and maybe I'm taking that out of context, and the Lord judge me if I am, but... Uh, it also talks about what happens to the seed as it falls. Thank goodness it says some of the seed falls in good soil. You know, and, and others, you know, it falls in the rocks and the crags and the road and it gets trampled on. Thank goodness some of the seed falls in the good soil where it can take root and grow. But I want you to know, the seed that falls in good soil, it still has to endure the same conditions around it in the atmosphere the harsh weather, uh, the coldness, the, the heat, uh, the trampling underfoot, it still has to endure all of that, no matter what, for it to grow. And just because you're a Christian, it doesn't promise that all things will be peachy and rosy. In fact, we're promised in Scripture, a lot of different places, that every one of us, every one of us are going to be flipped upside down one day and trampled, no matter who we are. It's, it's in the Word of God. But God's Word also tells us that we have to have the courage to hang on to the truth and to God no matter what comes. And I just want to ask you this morning, um, what are you hanging on to? What are you hanging on to? I, I want you to know... Um, There's nothing else that you can hang on to that's going to pull you through besides Jesus Christ. There's no other truth. 
It's not if, if a particular political party, and I'll lean strongly one way, uh, can weather the impeachment. It's not if, if the, the new diet that I'm going to start in the new year is going to be successful. It's not a, a new business uh, opportunity or job that, that's going to make me more money or not. That's not what's going to pull me through. It, it's, not a, it's not if I can you know, you know, find a, a, a new church or have a different you know, set of friends. It, it's not, it, it, there, there, there's nothing that can pull you through. God has provided so much in this church body to be a hand and to be a rope to pull you through. But we're all ropes and hands and caring because of one thing, because of Jesus. And we talk about hope. We talk about hope. Are you holding on to Christ this year? And I just want to encourage you, if there's, if there's things that are so heavy that it's causing you to really want to just crack open that mask that you wear around people and crumble in the floor, I want you to know it's okay, but you're wearing the wrong mask. God wants you to be exactly who you created you to be, but he wants you to hold on to him, nothing else. I don't know what that means for you, but I know that's what hope is. Hope is a, is a trust and a perspective that God will fulfill his promises. He promises to give us peace in the middle of war. He, pros- he promises to give us love and the ability to love in the middle of hate and struggle. He promises to give us joy when we have no reason to be happy. Why? Because he has conquered death. He has enabled us to live for him and with him forever and to be that same source of all that that you have for other people and to share your life, not just live it for yourself. If that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what can. Pray, Father, Lord God, I am so grateful. Lord, that you, Lord, have refused to abandon me. Father, whenever I become weak in my faith, Father God, that you have not turned your back on me. Father God, whenever I have, um, Lord, just abandoned obedience. Father, that you have persevered to love me and that your Holy Spirit has always intervened. Father, you've provided your body, the church, God, to love me in the middle of my struggles no matter what. Father, how you have done so much to reach out to me, Father. And Lord God, Lord, you're, you're a definition of persevering in my life. God, that's what your grace is. But Father, we know that we too are called to persevere. We too are called to have hope. And Lord God, in that hope that we hold on from you, God, we know that we can be hope for others. Not through a perfect model of a life, but Lord God, by pointing people to our source of hope. Father, if there's, so, if there's folks that are here this morning, God, that are feeling desperate and, and, and without much hope, or with any other thing that's going on in their life, God, and they need help this morning, Father, help that only you can give. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give it abundantly this morning. Father, I know there's many heartaches, Lord, that are, Lord, that are pushing through the facade of our lives right now, Father. And it's all that we can do to keep it together. Oh, God, remind us that, Lord, we don't have to keep it together for you. 
Father, we can come to you just as we are and ask for help, God, and you will always come through. But, Lord, you, you provided this, this body of believers here, Father, to be a tangible outreaching of your love and your help, God. Let us be that type of a church. But, Father, if those that are here that do not have a relationship with you, that do not have hope, oh, God, if you would give it this morning, I pray they would come and receive it. Stand on your feet. If God's called you to struggle or, he, or, or he's calling you to respond to your struggle or just to come for prayer, I don't know what your response might be, but you stand on your feet, we'll sing. And if you have to come and pray or you want to talk or whatever it might be, you respond to God's invitation. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone cause I'm no longer a slave to fear and I am a child of God cause I'm no longer a slave to fear and I am child of God From my mother's womb You have chosen me Love has called my name I've been born again into your family your blood flows through my veins Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear And I am a child of God Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear And I am child of God. Father God, I'm just so grateful, Lord, for this season you've given us, Father. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that Lord, we will use the words to tell people Merry Christmas and really mean it, Father. But Lord, it's, Lord, I pray that we will hold firmly to our testimony of you, Lord Jesus, to show people, Father, what Merry Christmas is about, Father. I pray for help, for peace, and Father God, I pray if someone's going to be alone at this season, God, they'd reach out, Father, Lord, that nobody would celebrate Christmas alone. Oh, God, and I look forward to celebrating Christmas, Father, together with my faith family and all the others that call upon your name someday together, Father. But, Lord, until that day comes, Lord, help us to hold on, Father, not just to survive, but, God, to live for your glory. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor John will sing us out, and we'll be dismissed. High schoolers, come watch the Cowboys at my house today.